Today is June 29th, 2010, and you're listening to episode 10 of FatCast. I'm Leslie Kinzel of FatChanista.com, and as always, joining me is Marion Kirby of TheRotund.com. Today's podcast is about exercise. are listening to FatCast. This is episode 10, in which Marianne and I are going to talk a little bit about a real popular subject, and that is exercise. And, <laughs> and it's worth noting that this is sort of like the most punk rock podcast that we've done because Marianne's internet went out and she is currently leeching Wi-Fi in a parking lot. Do I have that right? I would like to thank the Bumby Plaza Theater for their unsecured wireless network and their generous parking lot. Oh my god, that's that's awesome and hilarious. I just, you know... None of my neighbors have unsecured wireless networks. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with them, but the Plaza Theater, they've got my back. Well, this yeah. is good, and this, this is our commitment to the fat cast, is that you will go and sit in your car in a parking lot and steal Wi-Fi so that we can, the- bring, we can bring the good news about <laughs> fatness to the people. With the windows rolled up, I will have you know, so as not to disturb anybody else in this parking lot. It's warm here. I'm in Florida. Uh, but yeah, okay, so... Um, Exercise. We uh, this exercise. is exercise. This is something that a couple people have asked about, and um, you know, I think you and I both have a lot to say on the subject. And I don't know if we want to start on the yay exercise note, or if we want to start start on the exercise as a concept is complicated note. I kind of feel like I want to start on the complicated note and then finish on the positive note because I feel like we tend to get depressing towards the end of a lot of these episodes. I'm I'm with you on that. I I do want to note that we have a lot to say about a lot of things, so it's not just not just exercise, but mm-hmm. everything that we seem to have opinions on but yes i think we should start with the framework of why it's a complicated topic yeah and then we can conditionally endorse it yes i like the way you think marianne (laughs) i feel like we should be on a cereal box now (laughs) so so dearest marianne why is exercise a complicated topic because i'm sure we have listeners right now going what's complicated about exercising well the two big complicated issues for me, Leslie. <laughs> Pretend I'm like stapling my fingers and like leaning forward really interested. <laughs> this, this whole day has been just, has been complicated. <laughs> I, I was on Nightline, as some people may know, on this, the Nightline face-off. And... One of the one of the things I tried to talk about is, you know, 
sometimes people are busy. And the two blonde, middle-class, stay-at-home, work-from-home, however they please, people informed me that everyone is busy. The problem with that, Mimi Roth and Kim Benson, I'm looking at you, <laughs> is, is that some people are more busy than others. And to mm -hmm. assume that everyone should treat exercise as an imperative inclusion in their life is a deeply classist assumption. Mm -hmm. Because I work nine hours a day, and then I have four cats and a dog and a husband and friends and a podcast and a blog and a personal <laughs> journal and book projects and all of this life. And that's, that's not even a lot for some people. I mean, there are people who work multiple jobs. There are people with children. There are people with multiple jobs and children. Which exactly, yeah. Blows my mind. And so to assume that this sort of, you know, pursuit of, of exercise and the, the sort of middle class ideal of what health should look like, you know, to assume that that is everyone's not just goal, but within everyone's capability is, is kind of complete and utter BS. And so when we talk about exercise on a sort of class scale, I mean, you have to have time and money for certain forms of exercise. And one should not feel bad if, if one is not able to do these things because it, it, it's not a moral imperative. It is not... An, a marker of your commitment to your health and well-being it's it's none of that stuff it's mm -hmm. it's just exercise yeah um and one of the quality level go no go go for it oh i was just gonna say one of the things that i am constantly bitching about and i if you follow me on twitter you hear me bitching or see me i guess bitching about this all the time <clears throat> is the idea that for me, and I'm I'm the rare person, which I'll talk more about later, I'm the rare person who actually really likes exercise, and it's not a horrible um, chore for me to go and work out. I really love it, and I really look forward to it, so it's not even like I'm being avoidant, but for me, the reality is I get home from work, um, I do some basic, you know, sort of email, this is partly why I'm so behind on email all the time, I do some basic maintenance, I might do a little bit of writing, um, I do the basic cleaning and tidying that you know people who work full-time do when they get home so that the house does not look like a bomb hit it all the time um, you although we talk about that and I can learn from you <laughs> although usually it does look like some sort of bomb hit it um, but just like a small bomb as opposed to like a major <laughs> destructive bomb um, but yeah, so you know, I come home and I, I get home from work. If I come straight home and I don't have to make any stops or do run any errands, I will get home around 5:30 or 6. Um, you know, I spend maybe an hour cleaning stuff, you know, or you know, checking email. I mean, not a whole lot of time. I, I pretty much never watch television. Um, so I do that. Um, I then, you know, sort of will have to weigh my options insofar as my evening, because for me, it always comes down to, do I want to eat dinner or do I want to go to the gym? Because I don't have time to do both. Um, I 
the gym, I can't, it takes me a good 20 minutes to get to the gym because I live in the Boston area and everything is heavily trafficked, um, particularly on weeknights. Um, so I will, if I'm going to the gym, I leave for the gym around 7 or 7.30. I can't go earlier than that because the gym is so packed. I w- will wind up standing around for 15, 20 minutes waiting for a machine anyway. So I just assume go later and not have to wait. Um, so yeah, so I'll, you know, if I, I leave for the gym between 7, 7.30, I get to the gym, you know, between 7.45 and 8, uh, I'll work out for at least an hour, uh, usually I won't get home normally, even if I'm rushing, I won't get home before like 9.15, 9.30, uh, and at that point it's like, I'm, you know, I, the last thing I feel like doing after coming in from the gym is going into the kitchen and standing up for another hour while I'm cooking dinner, which I will then eat at 10 o'clock, which sometimes I do this anyway. Like if I haven't had a substantial lunch, like sometimes at work I'll be busy and I'll just have an apple or whatever. So if I haven't had a substantial lunch, I will totally wind up doing that. But this is like a constant issue for me where it's like I can have a, a good dinner or I can go to the gym. And most times when I go to the gym, I will wind up coming home and eating a giant salad. So I wind up eating giant salads at least three to four nights a week um, and doing this around 10 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night because that's that's what I've got time for. And like you just said, I mean, I am a, a middle class person and I, I work full time, but, you know, I'm one of these people who actually has free time. I have no children. Um, you know, I should have all kinds of disposable time during my day in which I can get this done. And it just, you know, it's a struggle even for me to make time to be able to do that and have dinner. And I mean, forget actually seeing my husband on weeknights. Like that just doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> so because he's busy with his stuff too. So, you know, we're, it, 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 it really is a struggle for me. And I'm in this enormous position of privilege where I can pay for a gym membership and I can, you know, I can make time to go even if I'm sacrificing dinner time. So for someone who actually has children, for someone who works um, unpredictable hours or who works multiple jobs um, that are sort of, you know, means their schedule is not always really set. Um, for someone who is trying to cram this in without sort of the the added benefits and, and extreme privilege of having a gym membership who are just trying to make time and space at home to work out in... Or having a, a partner. Yeah. Or exactly. having a partner with whom to share certain duties as well. I mean, if you're by yourself, it's even harder. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, if it's this much of a challenge for me, and like I said, it's not like I'm avoiding it. I wish, and I've said this a million times, I wish that I could get another mm, two hours, ideally, into every day. Um, If I had another two hours in every day, I would be awesome. I'd be able to make dinner. I'd be able to go to the gym. I'd probably get to hang out with my husband for a little bit. And I might even have time to read a book. Um, (laughs) And I mean, like, not like on a Saturday, which is when most of my reading happens these days. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really is a huge, it's not something that, You know, like you said, I get really frustrated when exercising and working out is sort of portrayed as this, well, you should just do it and you should just make time for it. Because for some people... If you really cared about yourself, you would do this. It's just, for some people, it's just almost impossible 
And for some people, it is actually impossible in a literal sense. So, you know, it's, it's, we have to realize that. And one interesting thing, there was a study, I don't know if you saw this, um, I'll have to look it up again, but there was a study recently that found that, that looked at the activity of levels. Now, admittedly, this is extrapolating data from history, which may or may not be accurate, but looked at the activity levels of the average office worker today and compared it with the activity levels of the average subsistence farmer from like the turn of the century. And now, admittedly, again, they're sort of it's it's an educated guess about the activity of the subsistence farmers because we cannot go back in time and ask them about their activity level. But what they found is that they're about the same that the activity of someone who goes to work in an office every day it's not like it's that low it's not like we're you know basically the the study was sort of taking issue with the idea that we've become this radically sedentary society all of a sudden you mean we're not a nation of couch potatoes i don't i don't know that we are <laughs> I mean, I think uh, that's that, my shocked voice in case anyone wasn't sure. <laughs> what? I, what? I think this is radical news. And I think that, you know, there are like many things, many subjects related to this sort of thing. They'll take statistics from one very narrow study and one very narrow idea and extrapolate them to apply to the population at large, which is just not accurate. And I think what they, what, why we have this conventional wisdom that we're all so fucking lazy and we sit on the couch all the time is because there have been studies that have shown that kids are watching more television than they have in the past. And th that, that can be problematic for many reasons, probably the least of which is the idea that they're sitting on their butts on the couch. That, you know, yeah. kids watching an enormous amount of television has a lot of, of huge social, emotional, psychological issues that are, are extremely troubling. Um, and, you know, yeah, the whole inactivity thing, yeah, okay, that could be a problem too. But that's not the only reason why we should be, you know, sort of worrying about this. But I feel like these studies... You know, and, and we have this this humiliatingly stupid media these days that just boils everything down to the simplest terms and trusts in conventional wisdom and nobody asks any questions or has any kind of critical conversation in mainstream media anymore and it's it's heartbreaking to see. But because of this, you know, we have these these, you know, people who and we see this all the time, where you'll have one narrow study that looks at one very small thing and it gets blown up in the media as meaning something thing that it doesn't actually mean if you follow me <laughs> I, I do follow you actually and, and I sort of feel like that might be where our conventional wisdom about you know kids and, or about us in general as a population being very sedentary may come from because I honestly don't think that 20 30 years ago more people were jogging on treadmills regularly than there are today and I, I, I think it would be difficult to make that case that, you know, gym, I would, I would imagine that gym memberships are actually way up <laughs> today than they were back then. And, you know, this is, this well, is, have we live in a, to say on that subject. Go for it, Marianne. <laughs> well, no, I want you to finish your sentence. Well, I don't no, want to be I, like. I think I think I pretty much got my 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 first rant out there. So you you take it from here. <laughs> okay. It was good. Thank you.
I, it, it was good. I Well, I guess I have, like, a... Yes, Mimi Roth and Kim Benson are blonde, but that's not a negative descriptor, and I'm feeling a little bad for throwing that out there as a descriptor of them, because it's irrelevant, and that. Yeah. But B, <laughs> if you read Susan Bordeaux's Unbearable Weight, which I will harp upon some more in every other episode, um, there's a discussion in there. One of the things she does is analyze fitness ads um, from the 1980s for gym memberships and the way they discuss women's bodies in these ads. And it's really, really fascinating. And as you read it and as you do further reading, you realize that the 1980s is really, I mean, we have always had a sort of, I don't know, fascination with fancy weight loss devices, whether it's those belts you put around that vibrate or whatever. But it wasn't until the 80s when people really started to go to the gym mm-hmm. as a temple of exercise. Yeah. You know, and, and that was concurrent with this idea that women's bodies shouldn't jiggle at all. Exactly. That if your body had anything extra on it, you were out of control. Your body was out of control. And I think that that's an interesting sort of, you know, um, backlash to what was going on in feminism. But it's also, in a broader context, I mean, there was the Cold War, there was all of the the sort of political stuff going down in America. And I think that when we feel super out of control societally, we try to control our direct sphere, which for many people is their body. Mm -hmm. And so I think that my sort of amateur cultural anthropologist, I I think that that's sort of fed into this gym frenzy Mm -hmm. where that became also the only form of exercise that counts. Exactly. Because if you go dancing for three hours, that's not exercise, that's dancing. It has to, like, meet these very specific qualifications that you can only meet in a gym with sustained cardiovascular rates and all of this stuff. Never mind that when you think about activity in the real world, I mean, it's not, a gym is not duplicating actual human activity. It's... It, it's, it's riding a stationary no, yeah. bike. Riding a stationary bike is not going to train you to bike ride around town. Yeah, no, it's it's completely uh, different. And I think you're. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find like a full text of that particular chapter of Unbearable Weight because it might be out there somewhere. Um, because that's a really good sort of point. And she also talks about sort of the aerobicizing. Yes. you know, cultural shift that when aerobics, which people who are young may not remember this, and I'm I'm not old and I barely remember it, but there was this enormous cultural shift in mostly in the 1980s where things like jazzercise became huge and Jane Fonda's workout video. I love how Jane Fonda is like this crazy radical 
political person now and like if you've ever looked at her blog she's kind of amazing <laughs> but um yes. but it, at the time you know it was you know she did these workout videos that were absolutely huge i mean everyone knew about this and this is where things like between that and like fame this is where things like leg warmer fashion originally came into being and do you remember mouser size <laughs> I do. I actually had the vinyl. I probably still have the vinyl record in my dad's house somewhere. For those who don't remember, Mouser Size was the Disney version of Jazzer Size for little kids. Yeah. So this like th- this push that we are experiencing now for childhood fitness and obsession with getting kids to exercise is not new. I mean, no. it, it happened in the 80s and it involved leg warmers. It's kind of a classic, but what about the children argument? And this is something that, you know, this the hand-wringing about the health and future of our children is sort of intrinsically woven into our culture that we have this idea that that really the idea of childhood in general historically isn't that old and when I talk about the idea of childhood I mean the idea that children are supposed to have a childhood and that kids don't start working and helping you out on the farm or with the business from yeah exactly from as as soon as they are physically capable of doing that work which is historically how I mean children were just little adults that weren't big enough to do certain jobs yet and the idea the concept of a childhood is only uh, I, I'm not a historian so I don't want to give a solid number but it doesn't go much further than the turn of the 20th century um, it, it really was it really is sort of a in historical terms a very new idea and I feel like with the idea of this sacred innocent beautiful perfect childhood that children are supposed to have um, comes this idea that they need to be sort of cultivated and protected and you know you have to teach them to exercise because they won't figure that shit out on their own which is hilarious to me because what kid doesn't want to run around and be crazy all the time um you know but we have this assumption that you know that kids are stupid and and they they would just you know expire they would just lay down and expire and not think to look for food if you left them in the woods not that i'm advocating (laughs) i'm not advocating leaving children in the woods lest we get emails about this but what i'm saying is that you know we have certain our bodies have certain intuitions and we have certain you know feelings about what is good for us and what is not good for us and kids by their nature are energetic jump be leapy happy you know wanting to run around sort of little creatures and you don't need to tell them it's time to run around often I have found myself telling them it's not time to run around more often than saying you know you need to go out and exercise child (laughs) I feel like this is a good time to interject my second reason why I find and the issue of exercise to be complicated Mm -hmm. and that is one of ableism because while many children have that urge. There are some children who do not, mm-hmm. and there are some children who have differing levels of capability Absolutely. when it comes to that. And there are some adults who have differing levels of both desire for activity and capability, and that is okay too. Yes. And that sort of thing gets erased when we get the cultural message that if you really cared about yourself, you would find time to go to the gym. And it you know. also it also gets erased when we have this very narrow definition of what counts as productive ex- 
exercise for a body that yeah. you know what not everyone is good for a million there are a million bazillion reasons why someone will never be able to jog um yeah any particular body may have a problem with jogging you know it, you can't hold these you can't hold certain exercises up as sort of these idealized this is what it means to exercise or this is what you're supposed to do when you exercise or this is how exercising is supposed to look and i'm supposed to be able to identify it as this very narrow concept that it's it's limiting and it's incredibly po- problematic because they're i mean particularly for people with uh, physical disabilities and obviously for people with chronic uh, diseases like fibromyalgia or uh, uh, what we call chronic fatigue syndrome but there's another name for it now too um, you know these these are things that just aren't you know it's 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 much more complicated and and problematic to be saying oh you're just tired because you don't get enough exercise I mean like that's so insulting <laughs> on, on on so many levels You there? Is. <laughs> and that's I am here. Okay. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, I gotcha. I think you're okay. you're I you're, wanted to make sure I wasn't trying. No, your your Wi-Fi is a little spotty, but I think we can muddle through it. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, so I I totally second you on your second reason why this is problematic. So it's classist and it's ableist to have these cultural expectations that everybody is going to exercise in this one particular fashion. And I would say it's also sexist because it's predominantly women. There was that study recently about how women past a certain age need to up their exercise an hour a day to maintain their youthful figure or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that pissed me off on so many levels. I mean, there's so much wrong with that kind of bullshit, both from a, you know, an ageism perspective and a sexism perspective and a general fuck off, it's my body perspective. (laughs) (laughs) You're right on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, that was... the other thing. Here's the other thing. You were saying you are one of those incredibly rare people who enjoy exercise. I don't think you're as rare as you think you are. I think when exercise is no longer a punishment, when exercise is no longer compulsory, when it is no longer something we are doing to satisfy some amorphous, arbitrary cultural standard of what we should be doing to be virtuous citizens, it becomes a whole lot more fucking fun. I actually heard a thing that we... I was just going to say real quick, I actually, the only reason that's sort of on my mind right now is I was listening to The Takeaway and um, your friend and mine, Kate Daly of Newsweek, was the guest talking about um, sort of, uh, they were calling it sort of like DIY healthcare, but I mean, not healthcare, but like DIY, you know, looking out for yourself and getting to know your body. And it was, it's actually a very interesting series, but she recently just, you know, sort of cited that apparently um, a there have been re- fairly recent studies that have shown that like 65% of people actually hate exercise and like self-reporting that they hate exercising. And I, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like on the one hand, I feel like I agree with you that, well, maybe they hate exercising because 
you know, they've never done it where it was actually fun and, and, and pleasurable and they, you know, weren't doing it from a place of guilt and, and, and self-loathing. But I don't know that that's true. Like, I feel like there are people who honestly just hate, and you know what, I can kind of get that, like, particularly the kind of exercising that we tend to do or that we tend to count as exercise, like we have been saying, that, yeah, I'm, I, I kind of believe that there are people who cannot stand the idea of running on a treadmill or cannot stand the idea of being in a gym for more than 30 seconds. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe maybe I'm way off base with that. No, I'm, I think that that's totally valid. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? I hear you. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that that is a totally valid thing. I also wonder, though, how many people hate exercise because they hated humiliating dodgeball in fourth grade. <laughs> I mean, we do not have a very cultural experience of exercise. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in this parking lot, and Orlando has... Um, has really been pushing the idea of critical mass for mm -hmm. cyclists lately. So there's this large mass of people riding bicycles, and there's, you know, a lot of different body types, and that one has bright green wheels. It's so cool. Um, <laughs> and they're, you know, not because it's exercise, but because it's a choice. But they are getting a lot of exercise. Mm -hmm. and, and so when we remove exercise from the gym and from the idea that you have to exercise on purpose... I think people get a lot more exercise than they realize. I mean, stupidest example. But if you're one of those women who goes to the mall on Saturday and you walk around for four hours, that's exercise. Yeah. I mean, I go to Ikea. It's hot here, people. It's so hot. <laughs> Ikea is air-conditioned. Yeah. And they have this little, like, trail on the floor. And... By the time you leave, two hours later, you've walked, like, two miles. Mm -hmm. And sure, sometimes I stop and I look at a pillow or a sofa <laughs> or some sort of magical scan design device. I don't even know. That's been flat-packed and awesome. But, I mean, it's totally valid to think about these kinds of activities. I mean, it's not like... It's not like you don't get any exercise whatsoever if you don't go to the gym. Yeah. And I think so. that part of the problem, too, is, as we were saying, that people tend, if you ask people, do you like to exercise, if the person you're asking has this concept of exercise as being something that is automatically hateful, then of course they're going to say, no, I hate to exercise. But if you had said to them, do you like going to the park with your kids on a Sunday afternoon and, you know, chasing them around and playing hide and seek, they might say, oh yeah, I really do enjoy that. Yeah. It, it's become this... <laughs> Another stupid analogy. It's that thing where your teacher makes you read the, the quote-unquote classics of literature. I mean, <laughs> nobody, nobody likes anything that they're forced to do. Exactly. And it could be the most fantastic, wonderful physical activity in the world that is adaptable to all sorts of different levels of capability. But if you are forced to do it, Mm -hmm. the, the the odds of enjoying it and wanting to go back are like nil, yeah. especially when you factor in the 
the way fat people often have a fear of humiliation. Yes. <laughs> I, I wonder why we might sometimes be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have no sarcasm again. Um, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of a big deal, especially if you are trying to go to a gym, to be in this very public space where there are usually a lot of mirrors and a lot of really, really fit people wearing clothes that may not be super well-fitting because fat workout wear is is like a damn needle in a haystack sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus, they're all like, oh, you need to get some exercise, fatty, but they aren't actually going to make any clothes. But you have to do it naked. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there would be so much chafing. God. <laughs> I I had Twittered about this recently that I, the only thing that I will buy at Old Navy anymore is exercise clothing because, and and it's because, and I mean, I hate Old Navy and if I, and frankly, even their exercise gear is not that great. Um, It's just that it's affordable. And it fits that the the cuts that they have. I know what size I wear, um, and it it fits relative. And I mean, forget buying fat exercise wear in a store. You're gonna buy it online, particularly if you're death fat and you're wearing above like a one X. If you're a one X or smaller, you could probably you might get lucky in stores. But you know, if you're wearing like a three X, four X, you're going online to get whatever you're wearing at the gym, and. You know, because Old Navy is a place where I know what size I wear, so I know that I'm not going to be wasting a bunch of money in shipping, ordering stuff that I have to send back um, because it doesn't fit. Hello, Junonia. I'm talking about you. Um, I thought you might be. <laughs> and I'll get to them in a second. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's I go to Old Navy for that because it's reliable. And if I had another source, I would use it. But because I don't, I, you know, I keep going back. I mean... The other, the sort of, and if people don't know, the sort of high-end option for this, there's a site called Junonia, which is all it is, the whole whole site is all active wear for fat people, and, well, specifically fat women, Um, although I suppose a dude could wear it too, but, you know, it's it's marketed to fat women. so yeah, so it's it's this whole site and it's incredibly expensive like 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 you know, I hate you guys kind of expensive. It's it's very frustrating considering what you get. Like and I see people review it online and I have to close my browser window because it makes me physically angry how outside my price range it is for like a pair of fucking capri legging workout yeah. pants. Yeah, it's it may or may not be available in my size. It's it's totally ludicrous and and I I really hate it. And you know, yeah, okay, their quality is really freaking good if you can find something that fits. Um I don't know that the quality is necessarily in line with the price given that it's not like they're using fucking NASA space age shit here. This is polyester and lycra. There's nothing magical about this fucking fabric. Now, it's good fabric, but the, I, I, I really, having gone through a lot of Genonia stuff, I really think that it is a little bit overpriced for what you get, considering the stuff that I get from Old Navy wears just as well, and it costs like a third or less than what it costs at Junonia. But my big, 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 
big problem with Genonia Tell is Tell me about their, your big problem with Genonia. Their, their fucking sizes are so like like they're they're like a fucking space alien came <laughs> and had no idea how big humans are and and what sizes go with what body and just sort of randomly sewed labels into all the clothing and <laughs> it is awful i have uh, and i you can tell i'm getting you worse a this lot of rage i have so much junonia related rage this is amazing I kind of wish I were in your living room right now watching this. (laughs) I'm gesticulating wildly. (laughs) If you've never seen Leslie in person when she gets like this, she kind of waves her hands everywhere and she thrusts her finger emphatically to make a point. I'm doing this right now. (laughs) And she gets a little pink in the face. It's hysterical. But yeah, no, this is my thing. This is my my issue with Genonia is that I have sent them so much fucking money in exchange for what I thought was going to be fine workout wear. And part of my anger is directed at myself, too, because I fell for it like four or five times before I was like, fuck you, Genonia. I am (laughs) not ordering from you again. I don't care what you have. I am not ordering from you again because I or I've ordered from them so many times and had s- totally out of control sizing issues like like I got these sort of wicking tees um in a 2x now keep in mind keep in mind in like a torrid or uh you know like a Lane Bryant I tend to wear like in a dress I will wear at least a 3x usually a 4x in a stretchy knit top I will usually wear like a 3x sometimes I can fit a 2x sometimes so thinking, okay, I know Junonia stuff has sometimes run big on me in the past, and I want them to sort of fit closely, like I don't want them to be loose. So I ordered these wicking tees in a 2X. Marianne, I swear to fucking God, you could have put two in me in these shirts. They were huge. They That's were That's amazing. They were huge. And I literally like like opened the package and like it was like unfurling a sail. Basically. <laughs> I'm like, when does, where where does this shirt end? It just keeps going and, and I'm pulling it out of the package and there's still more shirt in the package. And they were two X's. I ordered two of them. The wicking tees are not cheap fucking tees, and I ordered two. And they were gigantic. And and they give you like five minutes to return the package. And I didn't return it in time. So I got stuck with these gigantic wicking tees, which I, uh, in fairness, are actually, if anyone um, bigger than me is looking for wicking tees, I can hook you up because they're sitting in a bag on the floor of my closet right now because I can't even look at them because I get so angry. That was my last order from Genodia. I had ordered a bunch of other stuff from them in the past. I've ordered pants. I've ordered swimsuits everything has been catastrophically sized wrong in one way or another every time you say wicking tea (laughs) i have this horrible like wicker man image (laughs) in my head of like i don't know just horrible things if you've never seen wicker man don't watch the most recent remake watch the original (laughs) gandalf is in it it's great I'll have to link to that on our own. <laughs> it's their singing. It's a yeah. musical. Yeah. There's also some naked boobs, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Um, 
Oh Lord, Wicker Man. Um, yeah. So that 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 <laughs> is that, that is that is my tale of of angst and rage about Junonia and why I refuse to order. Because basically, based on the, the, like I said, the t-shirts are foremost in my mind because I was so angry at myself as well as the manufacturer that, um, you know, like that, that they're, that it's like a badge of shame, like in my memory that I ordered these shirts and they were horrible. And based on the size, like I think a zero X would be too big. Wow. And I, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> like, I almost feel like, okay, I guess Junonia, you know, I know that there are people who really love them and that's awesome for you if you really love them. And I hope that you guys, you know, have a wonderful life together. <laughs> that <laughs> but, didn't sound I, all that sincere. I just want you to know. I really do. I really do. I mean, and I say this all the time. My experience is not universal. So I have this horrible seething hatred for Junonia. It's okay if you love Junonia. I'm, I'm not saying you have to hate them too. I'm just, you know, and I, I'm obviously there are people out there who love their stuff because, you know, they're doing this great business and it's just not me that loves them because I don't love them. Yeah. I hate them. So now that we have seethed and raged <laughs> about the classism, ableism, and lack of workout wear, mm-hmm. why don't we talk about like the good things about exercise and how to sort of ease your entrance into exercise and gym culture as a fat person? What Agreed. Do you think? I think that's a great segue, Marianne. Woo! <laughs> I've, I've gotten in two woos this, this, this episode. <laughs> there will be a third when we get to the end. So <laughs> There might be one before. I get really excited. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so the positive stuff about exercise. I mean, I have a lot of, as I mentioned before, I have a lot of really positive enjoyment of exercise. Um, I... You know, I belonged to gyms a lot during my, you know, diet intensive teen years. And actually, I can't say a lot. I belonged to a gym that was at a local hospital where I was doing, you know, my 10 millionth weight loss program. And um, I wound up dropping out of the weight loss program because, surprise, it didn't work. Um, but I kept I kept going to the gym because I really liked the gym. And um, when I... I got a gym membership for the first time in years, um, almost exactly a year ago. It'll be a year ago last month. Um, You probably remember this because I would not shut up about it. I was really, really nervous about going back because, you know, and and I have a funny story about my um, actual sort of sales pitch guy that (laughs) I will, I will, oh, hell, just tell it now. We're sitting, we, you know, the, the sales pitch guy is like pushing the thing and, you know, hey, you want to do this and, and, and buy this and pay me X dollars a month for, you know, the privilege. And, um, yeah, so we're sitting there and, you know, I'm sort of, he's asking me questions and I'm asking his, him questions because I, I pretty much had decided I wanted to go to this particular gym because it had a pool that was pretty clean and, um, that's so some we high have, standards right there. It I know. Cool. It was well, pretty clean. Worth noting, though, Marianne, and this may surprise you, in the Boston area, it is actually really difficult to find 
A, gyms with pools, and gyms with pools that are not absolutely, like, totally disgusting, like swimming in, like, ball sweat or something awful ah! like that. I mean, they're they're so bad. And this had this awesome pool that was actually pretty clean, and I was really happy about that. And so I was pretty sold on this particular gym, but I was just trying to make it um, hard on the guy, who turned out to be, like, the manager of the whole place, and I didn't realize it at the time. And he had said, you know, we're sort of talking and he was asking if I had any questions or, you know, and I'm sort of trying to get it like the culture of the gym as a whole, which was probably stupid to ask this of, you know, a, a physical trainer. But this is what I was trying to get at. And, you know, I sort of made this comment, um, you know, where I, he was like, you know, I was asking like, you know, what are the people like? Like, am I going to see a diversity of different people, different bodies, different fitness levels, da 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 And at the end of it, I made a comment about, you know, I just don't want to come in here and just be, like, surrounded by meatheads the whole time. <laughs> and the guy sort of looked at me, and he paused, and then he sort of stuttered out an answer. And I was like, what? Why was that so awkward? I don't understand. And then a few minutes later, he gets up and goes to get paperwork or something. And Dennis turns to me, my husband turns to me, and is like shaking his head. And I'm like, what? And he goes, Leslie, that guy is totally a meathead. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, God, I love it when you're inappropriate. Oh, that's amazing. So that was me being completely self-absorbed <laughs> and not, you know, paying attention to the, the you know, sensitivities of the, the sales guy at all. And now, in retrospect, whenever I see him, that's all I think about. And I'm sure he has long forgotten it. But every time I see him, I, like, stifle a giggle because that's you don't all. Know. He, could be, he could be sensitive. <laughs> he could be. He could be a sensitive meathead. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so horrible. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel I know. like we need to apologize to blondes and meatheads now. <laughs> we do. Uh, my sincere apologies for anyone who was offended by my use of the term meathead and you can re-extend your blonde apologies. <laughs> Blonde apologies is not quite as good as blonde ambition, but <laughs> that's a lovely turn of phrase. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so this, this you know, is sort of my, I, I think part of my complete lack of sensitivity or awareness was also rooted in the fact that I was, and this is an excuse so much as it is an explanation, that I was so completely nervous. And I, I don't really get nervous about stuff like in life in general. Um, there's, there's not much that I get that, um, aside from like getting on a plane is one thing that does get me nervous. I, I was going to say, I'm Apart yeah. from like the last week with the plane thing, yeah. and there's like there's certain things that you know absolutely will make that happen, but yeah. you know they're they're fairly specific things, and I was really really sort of antsy and and twitchy, and you know basically expecting at any minute that someone was going to be like, haha, you don't get to come here, you know, and well, um, that's because it feels like walking into hostile territory. Yeah. I mean, the the purpose especially of of like big gym franchises that grew out of the 80s and 90s the whole purpose is antithetical to your very existence exactly i mean gold gym is like branding themselves but bally's yeah i mean places like that yes it is trying to erase your body it is trying to erase you 
as a, a physical being. Mm-hmm. And I, I have feminist theories about that, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, my feminist polemic just wells, I tell you. <laughs> But well, yeah, no. I mean, as as women, we are taught that we need to minimize ourselves, that we need to, you know, take up as little space as possible, that we need to have as small a physical body as possible. And I, I feel very strongly that that is like an actual physical manifestation of the minimizing of women's power and embodiment and self-will and all that stuff. So... Absolutely. Susan Bordeaux would be proud. Well, if <laughs> she were, I would be kind of fangirly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that I think that that's true. And I think that um, there are certain, particularly these days, and I'm not going to get into this in too much depth because I've already written about it on the blog, but I feel like there are certain cultural expectations that are, are particularly present um, in mainstream culture, right, like, contemporarily today that are especially especially good at making gym-based exercise look like a horror of biblical proportions and i am referring to the biggest loser um because you know what goes on on that show makes it look like an absolute nightmare that will make you throw up or die or maybe throw up and die or throw up and pass out and go to the hospital and maybe die um and that's not really what it's supposed to be about (laughs) i am gonna turn my car on because i am sweating a lot more than i should (laughs) in the creation of this podcast i don't my radio may be on let's find out okay that means you're exercising though oh oh i turned it off (laughs) so that's good you guys don't get to hear my julie feeney She's awesome. You should check her out. Um, but but that sort of leads directly into what the gym and what the broader category of exercise should be, mm-hmm. which is movement that feels good for your body. Yeah. And I don't just mean that in a lackadaisical, never pushing your capabilities sense, because when it isn't punishment when it isn't someone screaming at you and god do i feel bad for you know my sort of oh jillian michaels was really nice in person you know given (laughs) given subsequent revelations i believe that she was and i i think that you can you can have you can do both but go ahead um shit where did my sentence go i had a sentence oh i'm sorry it had clauses I will try again. Okay. When you remove (laughs) punishment and people yelling at you, you discover that, you know, sometimes maybe you do feel like pushing your own boundaries of ability and Mm -hmm. that it does feel good in a, I am striving to lift this much heavier thing than I thought I could lift, or I am going to, you know, walk this far or as Leslie says, be a gazelle on the (laughs) elliptical. I laugh at you every single time because I cannot get on the elliptical without falling off the goddamn machine. 
I am just putting this, that out there for all and sundry. The elliptical is a motherfucker. This is this but. is just to to clarify for people. Marianne and I had a conversation. Sometimes I will text from the gym, um, depending on what I'm doing. And we had had a conversation about Marianne was talking about you know oh I love the treadmill and I was like I hate the treadmill I feel like a hamster. But then I said on the elliptical I feel like a fucking gazelle like I'm I'm swoosh 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 I think I said um, or some you know other word that sounds like a noise. I did say swoosh, swoosh, swoosh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I mean that, this sort of comes down to what ultimately what we want to, you know, sort of promote about this is that the key to exercising is finding something to do that you don't hate. If you hate doing it, you're not going to do it. You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to want to avoid it. It's going to become a miserable chore. Um, And why would you want to do that when there, you know, for almost everyone, there is something out there that will be awesome and fun and gratifying that they would look forward to and on it does not have to be in a gym it can be yeah. martial arts it can be class it can be you know walking your dog it could be kickball yeah. <laughs> it could be kickball man i hated kickball I'm not so good with the spatial awareness sometimes. Is See, my you and I are so different. I loved the shit out of kickball. Like, I, I thought it was the best game ever. <laughs> I'm starting to, uh, to question our, our theory that maybe we're long-lost relatives. I wouldn't question that. I think that maybe you got all of, like, certain aspects and I got others. <laughs> yes. Marianne and I have this theory that we're like like separated at birth or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. I was adopted. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your father was in South Florida. He at was at the correct time. <laughs> he was. But our birthdays are different, so we yeah. can't really. That's that's hard to explain. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so so this is, but I mean, and that's this again. This is an awesome illustration, though, of the fact that you know there there is no one way to do this. That you know you have to figure out. And I had a form spring question about this um, a few weeks or months ago that sort of asked me, you know, how do you find a non-despicable workout routine? And you know, my answer was, I, and I used a lot more words because that's how I write. Um, but I basically <laughs> said, you know, you got to try lots of different stuff a like try everything try all of the wacky machines you see at the gym don't worry about looking like an ass um because you know what nobody's probably looking at you anyway and you know if you spend your life worrying about looking like an ass you're going to miss a lot of awesome opportunities so just don't worry about that in general plus Um, those machines are sort of designed to make you look that way i mean exactly that's sort of the point that's sort of the point so try everything don't get wedded to a specific routine um Unless you really love it. If you love it, then, yeah, get wedded to it and do it for the rest of your life. But Say your vows. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like me and you really hate repetitive stuff and you like to be doing different stuff all the time, then, you know, do what, do different stuff all the time. And, you know, I sort of – one of my examples was, um, you know, I sort of said some days I will go and do, like, 20 minutes on a bike and then 20 minutes on an elliptical and then I'll swim for half an hour or – or some days I'll go and do, you know, 45 minutes on the elliptical and just go home. And other days I'll go and just swim laps for an hour and a half. And that'll do be it. Do you have a and swim cap? I do. 
Okay, Actually, I was like, I what do you several. do with your hair? I have several swim caps. <laughs> do any of them have flowers on them? They don't. Uh, and although it's not because I wouldn't like to have flowers, it's because the flowers sort of affect the aerodynamicness for lap swimming. <laughs> if there is a way to, um, you know, have a flowery one that that also glided through the water like the head of a porpoise, then, <laughs> then I would be on top of that. But unfortunately, no. I have um, my favorite one is purple, though. <laughs> That's... And I, yeah, I have goggles too. I've got all the 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 fun um, crap. For, all that stuff you know, freaks me out. I can't deal with it. Like, I can't get all my hair under a swim cap, and I can't see, so I swim in my glasses. So unless I had prescription goggles... They do make those, and yeah. I am bound to mention, they also make swim caps for long hair. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the feel of it on my head, Leslie. Well, I don't like shower caps. <laughs> either well see my gym doesn't actually require people to wear swim caps i kind of wish they did um just for hygienic reasons <laughs> but although i guess ultimately it doesn't really matter but you know somehow in my head i like the idea of that but they don't actually require it so not many people um wear them i do mostly because i don't want to kill my hair with chlorine it, exactly that's sort of the thing i was i was thinking about because that is one of the things you have to think about with that exercise is the practical considerations and that always adds on another giant chunk of time like if I go do water aerobics that's great I enjoy water aerobics muchly and it's a lot fucking harder than you might think so uh -huh. it's you sure make that face about water aerobics let me tell you <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hardcore especially like with some of the instructors it's it's a lot of fun but then I have hair issues and I mean my hair is much much shorter now than it used to be but when my hair was long I mean it would take days to dry because I didn't blow dry it because my hair was super long and blow drying damages your hair and blah, mm -hmm. blah 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 so issues I yeah. mean and sometimes these things bar you from an activity you might otherwise enjoy go find a different activity no big deal yeah try I I like jogging I haven't gotten to do it in quite some time because my life is a ridiculous mess, um, <laughs> scheduling-wise. But I, the Couch to 5K pro, uh, program is really awesome, and it is tailored to repeat this as much as you need before you advance to the next level. Like, I think it's so amazing that we can propel our bodies quickly in the mm -hmm. same you know, mm -hmm. in the same way that I think you may feel about cutting through the water like a porpoise. <laughs> I like roller skating for the same reason. I like roller mm -hmm. skating better than bike riding, actually, because it's more like the the power of your body, the mechanical energy you can generate. Swoosh, mm -hmm. swoosh. <laughs> and my feet yeah. have pom-poms. <laughs> no, so, seriously. I mean, I think that, and I think that that's a really important point too. That I feel like there are a lot of people who sort of assume that there are certain things they can't do um, simply by virtue of the size of their bodies. And I, I know 
I know a shocking number of people who have been successful with the Couch to 5K program. And I mean people who literally started from the couch and worked their way up through it. And, you know, it, it, it is an incredible, if you're, if you're someone who has the lower body strength to be able to, you know, keep that up, it is an incredibly surprisingly accessible program to people of different fitness levels if yeah. not necessarily to people of different ability levels yes but if you're starting off you know you know it's it's not real intimidating I hate jogging and running I hate it um, I love I think part of why I love the elliptical is because it gives me that same concept that you're talking about of like sort of moving really you know impressively um, because I do it very fast but it doesn't have sort of the the womp 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 that that jogging has which I hate I just hate that that thump like every thump of every footfall I'm just like oh my god kill me now I um, kind of like it and I think <laughs> Here's my here, here's my like ridiculous self analysis. I have gotten really fond of my own mass and density, and I enjoy manifestations of it, <laughs> like the footfalls when you're jogging. I don't know, like I never anticipated that as an outgrowth of fat acceptance, I would be like, I am heavy. It is amazing. <laughs> But it's kind of fucking amazing, y'all. That's an awesome read. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, and it feels very powerful in a way. And I like that. And I also like it because I had a lifetime history of respiratory problems. And once I conquered those, like, jogging was accessible. And that was truly revolutionary that I had a pair of lungs that were capable of sustaining this kind of activity. Yeah. Because not so much before the miracles of corticosteroids. So, I mean, you, you find something that you respond to and you do it. And if something comes up where you can't do it for an evening or for six damn months, you don't beat yourself up about it. Because that's the other thing. I think people get locked into a gym membership and then they feel like they're wasting money and like they're bad people because they missed a <laughs> class or you know it's it's that same sort of diet mentality where oh I had a cookie I my diet is blown I may as well do whatever I want yeah um, I think sitting in front of this theater has made me very theatrical um <laughs> it, it's that same sort of like any any activity is going to is going to like do good things for your body mm -hmm. and that means activity at whatever level you are capable of doing it. Exactly. Um, the only time my doctor has ever spoken to me about activity um, was not in a weight, loss, a weight loss context. It was in the context of you have had a drastic decrease in your activity level. If you throw in a half an hour of activity every day, your good cholesterol will benefit from this. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get that good cholesterol up. And I was like, you know what? I can I can totally embrace that advice from my doctor because also a half an hour is a manageable thing and she wasn't like you need to go to the gym and do this. Right. I can dance around my living room in my underpants. And that counts. And exactly. I do. And that's another that's another thing, y'all. Dancing is really good exercise. It so really is. And it gets a bad rap. Yes, so if you are dancing to Lady Gaga, for example, 
in your living area in your underpants, you can count that. It totally counts. Mm-hmm. I'm it's giving true. you a permission slip to count <laughs> that as exercise. It's true. So. It's true. And I think, and you I know, that's... Totally, I totally want to find those, like, dance dance whatever thingies where the purpose is to go in comfortable clothes and just dance and where you're not allowed to talk to other people. Dance dance party party. Yes, <laughs> dance dance party party. Mm-hmm. That's precisely what it is. If you guys are not aware, dance dance party party is this thing in various urban areas. Um, sometimes they're more active than others where it is a... A woman-only space, as far as I know, and different urban areas interpret woman in different ways. Um, so, depending on, you know, woman identification, you may want to check that out um, before you, you know, just throw everything into it and go. But there's a designated time and a designated place, and it's like five bucks a donation. You go in your comfortable clothes, you dance to awesome music, and you dance. You don't talk to people. You don't sit on the wall afraid to dance. Mm-hmm. You don't avoid the skeevy guy at the bar, you know, in your club clothes. You dance in your comfortable clothes and you enjoy the movement of your body and the music that is played. And I think that kicks ass. And I think, too, that that's, you know, part of a greater movement of sort of reclaiming movement as a positive and fun thing for people that have have otherwise been convinced it wasn't something for them. Um, Another similar example is something called punk rock aerobics that I know has happened in Boston. I know it's happened in New York. I'm not sure where else it's taken place. But it is is what it says. It is punk rock aerobics. It's an aerobics class that uses, you know, amazing non, you know, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, high-energy dance music or whatever you'd normally hear in an aerobics class, but it uses music that, you know, you might find less offensive than that. And, you know, it's done by sort of subcultural people who come in in, in you know, what they're comfortable wearing. And it's, if you, you know, are the kind of person who is sort of feels... It, you know, sort of put out or feel sort of othered in a mainstream class filled with like, you know, soccer moms, then there are other, there are people out there who are trying to sort of take the ship back and try to make it fun and try to make it happen in a space where you will feel comfortable. And I want you to know that when you were talking about the swimming pools, I put a mental demerit in the category of Boston as a place to maybe one day eventually live. But this punk rock aerobics thing kind of cancels that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's and it, it historically it's happened at. Um, I know it used to happen at the Middle East, and the Middle East is actually like a a a a, a little you know performance venue. It's like where bands, like small bands that can't fill a theater, um, will go to play, and so it's sort of like you're in like a bar. <laughs> doing aerobics which is I mean an amazing concept but that's just sort of to to bring all of this full circle because we need to wrap up um, you know that sort of just goes to show that you know what you think of as exercise and what counts as exercise you you can't let anyone else define that for you you have to figure out what whatever you like to do counts and yet you know that's that's something you just got to know and get cool with 
Before we wrap up, I do want to throw a couple of practical tips out there as far as being the fat girl or fat guy or fat whoever in an exercise environment. Shit, you know? throw, throw it out. Okay, I'm throwing some stuff. You can throw things too. I'm, I may. Okay. <laughs> Wear something comfortable. I don't give a shit what the latest fashion is, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. Wear something you can move in that is non-restrictive, mm-hmm. but also something that is comfortable in the greater sense that you're not constantly adjusting because you think it's too tight or because you think it's too revealing. Something that is just going to be closed so that you focus on whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as as we tipped for flying, find the times that are less crowded. Um, yes. After work, that like five to seven o'clock time frame is goddamn packed. It's if awful. you're in if you're an early bird, like six thirty in the morning to like eight thirty in the morning, similarly packed because mm-hmm. morning people are beyond my comprehension. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so try to go at a time, if you are going to a gym, try to go at a time that is less crowded because you will feel less self-conscious. There will be fewer people. You won't necessarily have to wait for machines. Uh, Use the people at the gym as a resource if you ever feel uncomfortable with a machine or you don't know how to do something. I mean, most gyms have a staff of personal trainers and to give them credit, most of the personal trainers that I have sat down and had like an honest-to-God conversation with about this stuff realize that you cannot train to take something away. Mm-hmm. You, you, because, because working out is a constructive act. You build muscle, you tone muscle. Right. You know, you can't, you can't go, I'm going to do this so that I will specifically lose weight in this area. Like, that doesn't really work. It doesn't, Um, yeah. It doesn't work at all. There's no really about it. Well, you know, I'm trying to be nice about these things, but it's a (laughs) bunch of bullshit to believe that you can do that. So there, I said it. But most trainers will acknowledge that. And so if you can, if you are comfortable setting out your boundaries and saying, listen, I am not here to discuss weight loss. I am here to discuss, I would like to lift however many pounds on this machine. Help me devise a plan to do that. Then they will help you devise a plan to do that. And they'll make sure that you don't hurt yourself doing it. Yeah. If something hurts at the gym, stop doing it. Absolutely stop doing it. I think, too, that having, if you want to work with a trainer, having goals is, like, really important. And I think part of that, I think trainers are sort of trained to sort of focus on that. Trainers so if what? I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> you sort of, I can't even be nasty about that because yeah. uh, my, my sister-in-law is actually a trainer and she's awesome. Yeah. So there are awesome trainers out there. Sometimes you just have to find them. And I think, you know, like you were just saying, you really have to be clear about your goals. And if you don't want to talk about weight loss and dieting, you need to not only say, I don't want to talk about weight loss and dieting. You also need to say these are the goals that I want to focus on because if you if you 
if you point out and, and elucidate goals that are specific, that's all that you're going to focus on. And that's that's a good thing. That can help. That can actually go a long way in sort of eradicating a lot of the negative associations that those of us who have a long history of dieting and exercise for the, the you know, feeble hope of becoming thinner um, – you know, a lot of us did have this negative baggage that can, we can lose that by learning to focus on positive goals and associating positive goals with the exercises that we're doing, whatever that exercise will be. And that goal can be anything from when I first went to my gym, one of the things I said was I, and it's funny because you keep bringing up dancing. I used to go out four nights a week um, and would dance pretty much nonstop for three hours. Hey, Leslie, every, when yeah. you went out four, st- four nights a week and danced nonstop for hours on end, weren't you still fat? I was. I was just as fat as I am now. Oh, my God. I know. It's shocking, isn't it? It's, it's, because, it's because I wasn't really exercising. No, <laughs> no. But seriously, my goal, my goal was, you know, I used to go out and do this. And, like, yeah, I'd be wrung out by the end of it. But, you know, I, I kept it up and I had a great time. And so the goal that I, I sort of used was I want to get back to that. Like, I want to be able to do that again. And that's that's a pretty cool goal. I mean, it's it's, you know, focusing on feeling a certain way or having a certain amount of stamina. And that's something that you can strive for that is not, you know, you're not associating it with a negative idea or with, you know, sort of hating yourself the way you are now because you already know, hey, I've done this before. Certainly I can do it again. Um, which is not, is not universally true of everyone. Obviously, as we age, as, you know, our abilities change, we can't always get back to that. But, you know, having an idea or even just a vague idea, one of the other goals that I used was I want to sleep better because when I'm exercising consistently, I sleep a lot better. So I use that as a goal. So there's lots of, of sort of random shit that you can come up with that will, you know, sort of fill that goal, you know, need, but having that will make it easier for you and it will make it easier for you to deal with a personal trainer if you're going to work with one. I do want to say I wasn't just being a smartass. Like one of the other things you should do when you're involved in a fitness program is to remember that your fitness is not necessarily going to have any relationship to your weight. So you can start going to the gym three nights a week and working out and doing all of these things and your body may change in certain composition aspects but you may not change size i mean that may just be the way things go for you so it is really important to remind yourself of why you are doing it and that's another reason to have those goals um because then instead of going well i'm not any smaller i haven't lost any weight this is stupid i hate this i'm getting caught in that negative sort of cyclone of negative feedback it's I feel like this. I can do this now. Oh, mm-hmm. look at this progress I have made with this particular exercise. It, it becomes actual useful goals. And because you are enjoying yourself and because you're things, it, it becomes a positive feedback cycle. And so you keep going and you keep doing it. Right. And that's, that's really, really important to remember. Don't weigh yourself on the goddamn scale at the gym in the locker room, yo. Just <laughs> don't do it. Because it is so easy, especially if you have that history of being obsessed with numbers. It's so easy to get sucked back into that. I mean, exercise is a really 
it, it's a really easy thing to get compulsive over. Yeah. So it is good to monitor your relationship with it and to be aware of, you know, whether or not you're freaking out because you didn't go to the gym and that makes you a bad person or whatever. I mean, it's, it's good to keep that stuff on your own personal radar. Check in with yourself, see how you're feeling about it. And if it's not good for you mentally, you may need to reevaluate. Yeah. You know, especially in a gym type setting because they can be problematic spaces. And I got to tell you something else. There's no law that says you have to be naked in the locker room. That's true. If you are comfortable naked, be naked. Have fun. <laughs> if you are not comfortable naked in the locker room, that is okay too and it is nothing to be ashamed about. Absolutely. That, get- that's that's a really important sort of critical thing because um, that can be such a loaded space, particularly for those of us who have sort of negative like phys ed memories. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, because there's always, you know... D- there's there's sort of this weirdness that there's always going to be people in there who have absolutely no modesty at all and that's totally cool and there's always going to be people in there who are just horrified at the people who have no modesty i just wish i could make people sign a pledge not to weigh themselves naked Oh, God, yeah. Yes, I've seen that happen, and it's just, it's bad for everyone involved. I mean, A, if you're that worried about the weight of your clothes, that's that's something I might worry about. And B, it's just, it's bad all around. Please don't weigh yourself naked. Yeah. Don't weigh yourself at the gym. It's not like those things are calibrated. (laughs) It's true. All right, I think we have covered um, all the points we wanted to cover. We have covered all the points we wanted to cover. Um, Fatcast has a form spring, y'all. Yeah. If you have questions or suggestions for topics we might cover, you can, and, and I know that was not an elegant segue, I'm sorry, but I'm just throwing that out there. You can ask us questions. You have the power. You can. Leslie, would you like to give them more information about that form spring? It is at formspring.me slash fatcast and um, I will also link it in the show notes to this episode so you can go and ask us questions and in the very very near future we are going to put together a listener mail um, uh, episode which may or may not I don't know we might have enough now to do a full episode where we just answer questions um, or you know respond to comments but um, yeah so ask us stuff and you know we'll respond because we really 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 love your feedback and it's it's great to hear hear you know sort of both positive and negative stuff from the people who are listening although don't give me a hard time about the audio i'm working on it (laughs) this is our 10th episode we are 10 episodes into this adventure we are in double digits man it's awesome that's (laughs) that's fantastic that's true it's really true i feel very positive about this development all right you have been listening to episode 10 of fat cast i am leslie kinzel i'm marianne kirby do you want to get i was gonna say you gotta get that last woo in there i got it third time's the charm (laughs) i don't know what it's charming but there it is (laughs) thanks thanks for listening y'all till next time In your window
You have been listening to FatCast episode 10. The music you've heard in this podcast is by Daisy May. FatCast is shared with you under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license.